Today's video, we're going to be dealing with the subject of the rapture. Uh, somebody recently wrote in and asked whether or not it was a man-made doctrine or if it's biblically based, and then also wanted to know about the timing of it. They were under the impression that if there was such a thing as the rapture, it would take place after the tribulation period. So we're not going to deal exhaustively with this subject, but we will try to highlight those two areas. Now, first of all, there are plenty of people who say that the, the idea of a pre-tribulation rapture was invented by a man named Darby in the 1830s, and that him and several of his dispensational friends, they're the ones that, that came up with this uh, private interpretation of the scripture. I, I would agree that in the early 1800s, the idea of the rapture did come into the limelight. It was popularized then, but I would not agree that they created it. First of all, I believe that if somebody were to just pick up the Bible and begin reading the New Testament, they would be able to pick out all of the major doctrines that go along with a, a rapture, specifically a, a pre-tribulation rapture. I believe that would become clear enough to anybody simply reading the Bible. But to say that it only came uh, into existence in the 1800s, that's simply not true. In the early portion of church history, we're talking before the, the third century, you have writers such as Irenaeus, who was in the 180s, Polycarp, who discipled Irenaeus in the early uh, second century. And bear in mind, Irenaeus was discipled by Polycarp. Polycarp was discipled by the apostle John, who wrote the book of Revelation. All of these men speak of uh, of a rapture taking place, and they do it in a way that is consistent with how we teach pre-tribulation rapture uh, today. You can also read about it in Clement of Rome. You can read about it in the Didache. There are early church fathers that speak about this doctrine. So when it comes to the timing of the rapture, how do we uh, narrow down the timing as it pertains to the tribulation? Right, so I'm going to take it that there are seven years of tribulation. I believe that is a, a biblical truth that we can take from Daniel 9, verse 27. So where on that timeline would the rapture take place? Before it, in the middle of it, or right at the end? There are four positions that I have heard postulated. First of all, I'm going to work my way from, from the end and come back to the beginning of it. A post-tribulation rapture, I believe, can be crossed off the list because... In Revelation 19, we read about Jesus coming back to the earth for the battle of Armageddon. You read about that in verses 14, 15, 16. In that passage, in verses 7 and 8, you read about the church being up in heaven and that we, we dress ourselves in fine linen, white and clean, and then we mount white horses and ride out of heaven following Jesus down to the earth. So to say that the rapture takes place after the tribulation, that's not consistent with Revelation 19. We're already up in heaven before the battle of Armageddon happens, which is the end of that tribulation time. So I think it's safe to say a post-tribulation rapture isn't going to, to work. Now, there are those that believe in a pre-wrath uh, rapture, which is to say right at the end, the church gets raptured up, we go to the wedding, we, we have the ceremony, we turn around, we come right back. Now, forgive me if I don't get into all of them, but th there are a variety of reasons I don't hold to that position. 
uh, mainly because there's just not a lot of biblical support for it. The other two positions seem to have more foundation in, in Scripture. So moving backwards again, there are those that believe that the, the rapture takes place in the middle of the tribulation. Now this is arrived at by going to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verses 3 and 4. Th those will be the main focus for this position. And you read there where Paul is telling that church, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. And then the next verse talks about how this Antichrist, this man of sin, will uh, oppose himself above all that is called God. He'll go into the temple and show himself, say that he is God. Well, what happens is people take verse 3, the man of sin will be revealed, and they say that revelation is going to take place through the events of verse 4. In verse 4, he goes into the temple and says that he's God. Now, it is true that that event does take place in the middle of the tribulation. The Antichrist will be assassinated, rise again, and then he enters into the holy place and he claims to be God. That is the abomination of desolation. Uh, Daniel spoke about it, Jesus referred to it, and uh, Revelation 13 really dives into that and explains it as well. So the idea behind a mid-tribulation rapture is we first have to see the man of sin revealed by him going into the temple and claiming to be God. That doesn't happen until the halfway point of the tribulation. Now, I must be honest, I understand their position. If all we had to work with was 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, if that was the only New Testament passage about the rapture, then yes, I can see the biblical veracity for that position. However, uh, we do have a lot more passages to take into account before we come to any conclusions. So um, I personally, I understand that position. I see where they get it. I don't hold to that, however. So going back another step, I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. Now, the man of sin being revealed, that does have to happen first. However, I believe that the revelation of the Antichrist is not limited to that one event of going into the temple and claiming to be God. We might be able to see who this man is through uh, political things that he does. We can match it up with what we read in the, in the Old Testament, specifically the book of Daniel. Or if you just look at 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 3, it says there, first there has to be a falling away and the man of sins revealed, the son of perdition. I believe that falling away is directly connected with the revelation of the man of sin. That even people within the body of Christ, right, they can be deceived and begin to think that this is some great guy and this man receives this big following, not only politically but even in religious circles. And that might be how the man of sin is revealed. That can happen well before any, any assassination and resurrection and uh, proclamations in the temple. So when we, when we talk about a pre-tribulation rapture, I believe one of the strongest passages for it is in Revelation chapter 5. In Revelation chapter 5, they are searching for somebody to open this special little book, and it has seven seals on it. No one's worthy to open it. Jesus, finally, he steps forth. He prevails. The Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lamb of God, he takes the book. And it says in verse number 8, When he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. 
Now, let me just point this out. There are three groups in that verse. Four beasts, which we might think of as the cherubims, possibly. And then four and twenty elders, whoever they are. Many different ideas about that. And then group number three is the saints at the end of the verse. Right, three groups mentioned. Verse 9. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and hast made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. Now verses 9 and 10, it says they sung. They sung. Who is they? It's one of the three groups from verse 8. Now we can look at what they're singing. They have been redeemed. They come from all over the world, many different people groups and languages and they are going to be kings and priests and reign on the earth. All of that is true for the body of Christ. All of that is true for the church. It is not true for the four beasts, the four and twenty elders, bit of a mysterious group, but there's no biblical reason to say that they ever needed redemption. So it would be appropriate to say that it is the saints who are singing this new song. Now, what's interesting about this passage is Revelation 5 is taking place before the events of the tribulation begin. That little book with the seals, it opens up into the seven years of tribulation. The first seal, as you can see, uh, a white horse rider who appears to be the Antichrist comes forth and brings about a world peace. I, I think that's the first steps that, are, that will be taken in the tribulation. So Revelation 5 is pre-tribulation, and it has the saints up in heaven singing about how Christ has redeemed us and how one day we shall reign on the earth with Christ. And, of course, that is something that has been promised to the faithful in Christ uh, that will take place in the millennial kingdom. So I believe this passage offers a, a strong support for a pre-tribulation rapture. One other thing I think we have to take into account is the allegorical aspect of the scripture. You can read an Old Testament story and it offers historical truth. Those are the facts of the story, what really happened. But then we can dig a little deeper and, and learn from those historical stories a prophetical or doctrinal truth about something going on today. Paul did this in Galatians 4. He used the story of Abraham with Hagar and Sarah, Ishmael and Isaac, and he allegorized it to teach something about salvation by faith and how we're no longer under the law, and he taught a spiritual lesson from it. We can do the same with the topic of, of the rapture. When you look in the Old Testament, you have a man named Enoch. He was caught up to God without dying, which is a perfect picture of the rapture. Paul described this in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 17, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51. We'll not all sleep, but we'll all be changed. Uh, Enoch is said to have been translated into heaven. That's in Hebrews chapter 11. So Enoch is a wonderful picture of the rapture of the church. But Enoch is taken to heaven without dying before the days of Noah. And we know what Jesus said about that. He said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And you can look at the context for that reference. It's always referring to those tribulation days. So Enoch before Noah. I believe there's a rapture before the tribulation. 
And there are several other things in the Old Testament that would express the same allegorical idea. We can even see the same thing in the book of Revelation. Chapters 2 and 3, I believe, we're reading about seven historical churches that received what John wrote. But if you allegorize it, you have seven periods to church history, the last of which is the Laodicean period. And after that last church period is finished, then John is taken up to heaven. John is a picture, allegorically, of the church. And he is taken up to heaven uh, before the rest of the events are, are listed out. Uh, that we now know as the tribulation time. So I think that there is a strong reason to believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. Now, that being said, Paul made it quite clear. When it comes to the times and seasons, brethren, I have no need that I write unto you, he said. For the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Whether you believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, mid-tribulation rapture, it doesn't really matter where you put the rapture. The real question is, are you going to be a part of it? That's the question. And if you are saved and you're in the body of Christ, then one day, right, you are going to be caught up. You are going to see the Lord face to face. So if you are saved, then you need to be busy about the Lord's business. He said, occupy till I come. Because one day you will stand before him and give an account of everything that was done in the body, whether it be good or bad. So please be ready, be ready for that glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. If this video has helped, you can click the like button. If you'd like to follow along with our Bible Q&A blog, you can click subscribe. Feel free to leave a Bible question in the comment section below or visit us on our Facebook page, Bible Baptist Church of Pachastruam. And if you live in town, we'd like to invite you to one of our services, and we hope to see you soon. May God bless and have a great day further.